welcome to the LFC podcast, where our mission is to make, deploy, and multiply mature and equipped Christ followers. Our prayer is that you'll be challenged and inspired to live your life for Jesus Christ by the preaching of the word. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you can be notified every time we release new content. Now, let's get ready to jump into the word. Well, guys, we are in day 14 of our corporate fast. Day 14. Listen, you can make it the rest of the time. You got this. You can make it. Well, what we've done is we've tried to provide several different opportunities uh, for us as a group just, uh, just to come together and to keep us feeling connected during this fast because when you're fasting, you can feel very isolated from bacon and ham and, uh, you know, I'm so, we used to say something, I'm so hungry I could eat a sandwich from a gas station, but sometimes gas stations have good sandwiches. Don't eat gas station sushi, though. Just don't, don't from experience, don't do that. Um, but I, we've created several different opportunities for us to join together, and we've got another opportunity this Friday night is just to join together online at 8 o'clock on Facebook Live. Uh, last, um, I, I can't remember, it was about a week, a little over a week ago, uh, we, we did that, and do you know we reached over 8,000 people? So many shares and people were joining in the presence of God. So I encourage you this Friday night, just click on, log on, and share that on your Facebook page so we can reach even more, more people. How many re- want to reach people? We want to reach people. And then that very next morning, we're starting something called the 24-hour prayer. It's for all of us, and you can come for five minutes You can come for an hour, 15 minutes, whatever you want to do, but you can come and spend with us some time here in the sanctuary uh, during that 24-hour period. And behind me, you can just take your phone out and you can take a snapshot of that QR code just to get a a better idea of when when would it work with with my schedule. And so uh, we will be here and we'll land all the way, all night long, right into the 8.15 a.m. Service so so take a, a an opportunity and take a picture of that and start thinking now about where you could fit in that fasting. We've been fasting. Biblical fasting is simply this: refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Some people will say, you know what? Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm going to fast social media. I'm going to fast entertainment. I'm going to fast all of these other things, which are great add-ons to your fast because they'll help you to be able to focus. But in essence, fasting is about shutting your mouth. Now, I know some of you want to do this, so look at your neighbor and say, "Shut your mouth." <laughs> nicely, nicely, nicely. But biblical fasting is refraining from food for a a spiritual purpose. So if you have not joined with us yet, can I tell you, don't say it's too late. Start now, join now, jump in now, figure it out, come up with a plan. And if you did start with this, but you fell off the wagon, chase the wagon down Just don't fall underneath the wheels, but just get back on the wagon, right, and join with us. This this is really about a lifestyle of fasting, not a corporate fast event. 
I'm not interested in doing that. I want us to get to the place to where when we know that God needs to be on the move, that something needs to happen in our life, we go to fast on our own. That's the kind of fast you don't talk about, right? But a corporate fast, we're talking about it. And Jensen Franklin, in his book, Fasting, gives us some ideas of some reasons why we would need to fast. He says this, are you in need of a healing in your body or a miracle? You need to fast. Do you need the tender touch of God in your life? You need to fast. Is there a dream that God has given you, it's inside of you, that only he can help come to pass? Guess what? You need to fast. Are you in need of a fresh encounter? How many have ever just dry spiritually? Just dry and you're just weary spiritually. If you need a fresh encounter, a deeper, more intimate and powerful relationship with the Lord, fasting will help cure that. Do you need to break away from any bondages? Something, a stronghold that is holding you hostage, can I tell you, you need to fast. Do you have anyone in your life that needs to come to Jesus and it just seems like they're not budging? You need to fast. Do you desire to know God's will for your life? How many desire that? I desire to know God's will for my life. Guess what? You qualify for someone who needs to fast. And when you fast, we find this, everything slows down. The clock almost seems to like, time just sit. How many have noticed that the days get a little bit longer when you're fasting? Come on, you could talk to me today. You're not frozen up in this house. It's warm in this room, right? And what happens is, is when you fast, you just become more aware of the presence of God. In actuality, what fasting really does, fasting prepares your heart for God's answers. It's not to be used to twist God's arm, right? I get you in a submission hold, God, right? That's what fasting does. I'm laying down my fasting card and I'm gonna get whatever I want. No, fasting actually prepares your heart for God's answers. So last week we had some practical application that we needed wisdom, so we were fasting for wisdom. How many were here last Sunday, right? But today, I felt like in my heart that God says we need to fast for protection. How many like to be protected by the Lord? You need to be guarded. I don't know about you, but if, if, especially at the end of the service, we bless you. Many times I'll bless you and I'll, I, I will bless you with these words. Lord, would you guard them and protect them mental, four, four ways, mentally, physically, spiritually, and even financially. How many have ever heard me say that before? Yeah. And so we, we pray. For, and what we're doing is we're asking God and asking the Lord that he would guard you. In other words, we're asking for his divine protection over your life, much like that hedge of protection that Satan actually complained about to God when they were referencing Job. Satan says, well, listen, you've got him covered. You've got, you've got a hedge of protection around him, and I can't get to him. He was complaining about that. That's what I'm praying over you, and that's what I'm blessing you with uh, in every aspect of your life in those four different areas. Because how many know that we need to be guarded by God? 
We need to be guarded by Jesus. Listen, parents, we're living in a day, in an age, that you just can't trust anybody at all. Even when you're sending them to school. Listen, we have good, godly, spirit-filled, wide-eyed, sanctified administrators, teachers, bus drivers, cafeteria workers that go to this church. I'm not talking about the influence that's coming from this body in the spirit-filled believers in the school system, but how many know that not every kid has that same covering in their classroom? There's influences. There's crazy rhetoric that's going on. There's all kinds of deception and manipulation. And thank God for godly people that will stand up in the middle of a school system and take a stand for what is right. Thank God for those people. Thank God. And the enemy will always flex his muscle and say, oh, it's a lawsuit's coming. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. But I will tell you, we need people that stand upon the word of God that will stand for righteousness and holiness. We need the protection of God upon our children in our school systems. Can I get an amen in the house? We need protection at school. What they're being taught what they're experiencing in the locker rooms. Listen, my goodness, gracious alive, the things that go on at school, right? How many know we need to have the protection of God over our marriages? Because the enemy wants to destroy, right? We need the protection of God over temptation in our own lives. And listen, temptation is not a sin. It's what you do with that temptation that can make it a sin. We need to have the strength to say no, to resist the devil. And when we resist him, what's he going to do? He's going to put on his running shoes and get right out of there. We need God's protection at our workplace. We need the protection of God over our finances. Right? You're rolling the dice right now, right? I mean, it's, it's, it, we need God's protection. We need the protection of the Holy Spirit over our own minds. Huh. Well, what I want us to do today in reference to this fasting for protection, I want us to take a look at a story in Ezra chapter 8. Ezra chapter 8, and, and what I want you to, I want to give you a little bit of context before we get to it. The children of Israel, God's chosen people, whom he did supernatural signs and wonders and miracles before them. He was their God, and they were supposed to worship him alone. And God gave them repeated warnings over and over and over again. It's called grace and it's mer in, in mercy. And he told them, if you don't straighten up, I'm gonna lift my hand of covering off of you, and the enemy's gonna come in, and he's gonna carry you off to a distant land. But how many know that you can say the oven is hot so often and they just don't believe it? It becomes white noise until they touch said oven and then they don't do it again. Well, here we see that Israel once again is in rebellion towards God and now they're taken into captivity by Babylon. Why? Because God was mean? No, it was because of their rebellion. God said, listen, you don't want me, I'm lifting my hand off. I'm lifting that covering over you. I'm lifting that hand of protection off of you. And I'm gonna take a step back and I'm gonna give you what you want. 
So Babylon comes in. They literally destroy everything. Everything is rubble. They tear down the, 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 the tabernacle. They, they, they destroy houses, homes. They level the walls. I mean, they utterly destroyed everything. And they were in captivity in Babylon for approximately 70 years. And during that 70-year period, another, another nation comes in and overthrows the Babylonian Empire, and that was the Persian Empire. But here's what's interesting. How many know that God can get a hold of anybody? And I don't care how stone cold of a heart that you have and rebellious that you are, when you come and you have an encounter with God, God can change the most coldest, hardened heart ever. God can do it. That's what he does best. But we've got to submit to him. Well, God captured the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, and he's like, you know what? Let's start sending them back. Let's start sending them back. So he started sending back the Jews. If you want to read the Bible and the different books of the Bible, not just in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, you know, front to, front to back like that, but if you want to study out, you can look in the book of Daniel. That's in the same time frame. You look in Ezra, same time frame. Haggai. Haggai, Nehemiah, same time frame. It's all right there. It's showing what's happening. They were captive, and God is now bringing them back. So he sends them back. They rebuild the altar of the Lord, and they reestablish the, the, the morning and the evening sacrifices. Then they start uh, building the temple. They start building that temple back up again, and they get all the foundation done, and everybody is going nuts, man. Best church service ever, and they're praising God, and they're doing the little jig, right? It, 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 was, it was absolutely phenomenal. But how many know any time you take one little step towards God, here comes the enemy? Because he does not want you to succeed. God has plans for you to succeed and not to fail and not to harm you and to give you a hope in the future. But the devil's job is to take all of that away and annihilate everything. So they get the foundation of that temple built and everybody's excited and they're starting to get ready to ramp up, to put up the walls. And the next thing you know, here comes opposition. The opposition was so bad that fear struck that land and they stopped the work on that temple for 20 or for 17 years from the time they started laying that foundation to finally Haggai comes in the book of Haggai and he said why are you living in all of your paneled houses when my house yet remains a ruin you're storing up treasures for yourself but yet there's holes in your pocket. You're not doing what I have brought you back to do. And so now I'm not going to bless you. And they repented and they turned and God blessed them. Then 21 years later, it took 21 years to rebuild that temple, what they were actually sent back to do. And in comes Ezra. Ezra was a sharp dude. Ezra was wise. Ezra knew all of the laws. He was a born organizer. How many born organizers do I have in the room? Anybody. You just organize. How many, your organization drives people nuts, right? How many people you are conjunction, junction, what's your function, dysfunction, right? I mean, you're like, all right, all right, I'm just going to wing it right? Fire, aim, ready. That's, why, that's the way you are. Listen, around here, we aim, we're ready, and then we, and then we release that, right? 
But here, here Ezra is. His job was to come in and get everything going, put people in place, get all the Levites in place, and reestablish the kingdom of Israel and get it organized. Listen, for those of you who fly by to the sea of your pants, it takes organized people in this world to get some things going, right? Come on, and all of God's people said, I'll oppose, same sign. Yeah, I didn't think so. Well, Ezra chapter eight, here's what I want us to understand. There by the Ahava Canal, I, Ezra, proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all of our possessions. For I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from the enemies on the road because we had already bragged to the king. The gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his great anger is against those who forsake him. So we did what? We fasted and we petitioned our God about this and he answered our prayer. You see, Ezra, he had the king's favor. Ezra had the decrees. He had the plans. He had the authority. He had the supply. He had that money, 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 money. He had it all. He had it. He had the support. So why in the world would he even need to fast? Why? Why would he need to fast? He had everything he needed. Well, here's what you have to understand. They had to travel roughly 900, eight to 900 miles through torrential terrain, zero degree temperatures, right? They had to make their way with sickness, fear of attacks, food shortages, and all the livestock that all of the people were taking with them, the immense amount of monetary supply, millions and millions and millions of dollars in monetary supplies. And here's the kicker. The idea in the concept that was given to them that any Israelite in captivity if you want to go home, you can go home. You're free. God had taken the heart of a wicked king and said, you know what? It's not wicked anymore. It's time to go back and be blessed. And not only am I going to say be blessed, I'm going to give you something and I'm going to give you the authority to do it. You see, this just wasn't a quick little road trip that you make a mixtape and you got Doritos and you got a Mountain Dew and you got your can of squeeze cheese. That's all I need, right? And so you're, you're, your life is a highway, right? And you're going and, and you're like, let's go to Florida right now. All in favor, say aye, right? And so this, this wasn't just a quick little trip. This just wasn't a mission from God to where you're, it's night, you're wearing sunglasses and you got a half a tank of gas. We're on a mission from God. This is more than just that. This was a life or death situation because you've got hundreds of thousands of people making that track eight to 900 miles away and there was no way everyone was gonna make that through until we see the answer to prayer 
right here. So we fastened, fasted and petitioned our God about this. And what did he do? He answered our prayers. So today I want to give you some practical application that you can put in your pocket and you can apply to your life when it comes from the hand of God protecting you in your life. You ready for this? Number one, when you are fasting for protection, humility is gonna be needed. Humility will be needed, right? I proclaim to fast so that we might what? Humble ourselves before God. I love David Gusick commentary. He says this, that Ezra actually understood the spiritual power of fasting as a demonstration of our single-minded devotion to God in his cause. So what did he do? He called a fast and saw that God answered that prayer. Gusick goes on to say this, as with any spiritual discipline or duty, and I want, I want you to hear this, it is possible to fast without the right heart and to trust in an empty ritual apart from its true reality. Real fasting, real fasting, fasting that is done with humility and a right heart has great power before God. And sometimes we think that this word humility is a, is a bad word. We don't, we, don't like, we don't like that word. We don't like to humble ourselves. But what I found is we got no problem trying to humble somebody else. We don't have a problem trying to get one, a leg up on somebody else or bring out somebody else's flaws or point out somebody else's stuff while we're trying our best to conceal our own. Come on, if I'm talking to you, wave at me right now. It, it, we, we do that. We do it a lot. But the book of James and 1 Peter really say the same things. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he's gonna be the one that lifts you up. Humble yourself before God. 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. It doesn't say humble somebody else. It says humble who? Yourself. Come on, someone here, talk to me. Don't get quiet on me now. When you're fasting for protection, you and I are going to have to humble ourselves. Number two, when you're fasting for protection, this is interesting, you're gonna need to pray specific prayers. Look at it. They humbled themselves before God and they asked him for a safe journey, right? They, 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 they didn't wanna have any flat tires, right? They didn't wanna have an engine failure, the transmission goes out, they didn't want any of that stuff going on. A safe journey for us, a safe journey for our children and a safe journey for all of those possessions. I'm not kidding when I say more than likely it was more like billions of dollars of covering and safety and protection. You remember what we, we, we pray about? We pray over you mentally, 
physically, spiritually, and financially. But here's what I found with God. You get what you ask for. Do you know that? You get what you ask for. And I think so many times we just get so numb and apathetic in our prayers that we really don't ask God at all. We kind of do a blanket covering. And it becomes, instead of a gratefulness, it becomes God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food, amen. It's a rehearsed repetition that really in the end doesn't really mean anything to us. How many know what I'm talking about? You can just rattle off something and say, why did I just pray? The book of James says it like this. Can, can, I, can I just encourage you? The book of James, if you need an attitude adjustment, read the book of James. He'll give you the smack down. The book of James says this, that you and I do not have because we don't ask God. We don't have. And here's what we have to understand. Vague prayers are always going to lack faith and passion. Vague, general prayers, just to make yourself feel good just in the moment, they're going to lack passion and they're going to lack faith. And here's what I find. We won't pray for something that we really don't care about. And here's how I, me personally, here's how I over come that. When someone comes to me and they say, Pastor, will you please remember me in your prayers? Our general thing, when someone comes to you and me and they say, hey, will you pray? Will you just be in prayer with me about something? And you, many times we'll just be like, absolutely, I'll do that. See you later. Do we not do that? Well, I'll be praying for you about that. Can I say, can we just stop telling people we're gonna pray for them? Can we stop that? And when someone comes and they say, hey, could you pray with me about that? And says, absolutely, let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. Let's ask the hand of God that would meet that. Now you're meeting your obligation and now you're with them face to face again. You can join your faith together and pray specifically for what is needing in their life. Why? Because you, you're just agreeing with them. James says it best that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In other words, there's faith and there's passion. Guzik goes on to say this. Much of our prayer is not effective. Listen to this because this can be a little bit mind-boggling. Much of our prayer is not effective simply because it is not fervent. It's offered with a lukewarm attitude that virtually asks God to care about something that we care little about. Effective prayer must be fervent. Not because we've got to emotionally persuade a reluctant God, but because we must gain God's heart by being fervent for the things that he is actually fervent for. And what I have personally found is that when I get specific in my prayers over a situation, 
God gives me details to pray about. He gives me details. And the more I I, I begin to pray for those things, it's almost like the prayers of heaven. God's given me words to pray over that situation. And now it's almost like the anointing of God is upon that prayer that I prayed. How many know what I'm talking about? You sense the presence of God. And now once you have have prayed that prayer, the only thing that I can describe it is this. It's almost like the prayer is hot. You know that God is with you and he is praying through you. So we've got to be specific in our prayers. Look at your neighbor and say, be specific. Lastly, number three, let's land the plane. When we're fasting for protection, when we're fasting for the divine hand of God to be on our lives, There's going to come a time that you're just going to have to leave it there. Did you hear that? You're going to have to leave it there. Remember an old hymn called Leave It There. If the world from you withhold all its silver and its gold, and you have to get along on meager fare, just remember in his word, that he tends to the little bird. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Ezra had to place it in God's hands. I think what happens is many times we hold on to things so closely and we're we're thinking we're doing the right thing, but somewhere down the line it turns to worry. How many struggle with worry? Can I tell you, I'm one of them. I'm just, I'll wave right back at you. I struggle with it. Worry and concern and the, the fear of the unknown and how in the world, Lord, are we ultimately gonna raise $8.6 million? I, 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 I stay awake at night sometimes. How are we gonna do that? He calls you to it. He'll see you through it. He will provide So here we are. Look at it. Ezra, I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from the enemies on the road because he had already, I'd already told the king. I blew it. I opened my big fat mouth. King, the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his great anger is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. In other words, they gave it to God. Can I tell you today, some of you, you need to give it to God because you've been holding on to it for absolutely so long. God's heard your prayers, but he's waiting for you to let go. I don't know who that was. That was not in the notes, but there are some folks here right now that you are holding on so tightly that you're like Eliezer, who fought so valiantly, fought, 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 that his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. God is asking you today to let it go and leave it there. Philippians says it, don't be anxious about anything. In other words, don't worry about anything. But Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and we're done. It's probably one of the greatest passages of Scripture when it comes to worry, doubt, fear, anxiety. 
And it gives us this example. Trust in the Lord with part of your heart. Trust in the Lord with how much? All of your heart. And lean not on your own stinking thinking. Because the devil will lie. And we all buy tickets to his IMAX show. And it's in living color. And he plays lies and deceit and we entertain ourselves with the horror of all the terrible things that can happen. And God's saying, will you throw away the popcorn and the pop? Get rid of the snow caps. Lori likes those. And will you walk out of that movie theater and come on in? Because I'm not giving a show, I'm giving you life so that you can live it to the full. You gotta leave it there, friends. God's hand will be upon you. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in with us today. To hear more messages or to learn more about LFC, head over to limafirst.church.